0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: What's up everybody. This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com H a W G sports.com. Week two is finally here. Arkansas traveling to Mississippi state for a game that, Going into it, you kind of thought that Arkansas might really have a good chance, and I'm not saying they they don't that they, they don't, but not many people expected uh, them to go into Baton Rouge and knock off the defending national champions, 44-34. So we're going to take a deep dive into that game. Paul Joint, Paul Jones with the uh, Jeans Page with the, the Bulldogs 24/7 side is going to join us. Curtis Wilkerson is also going to jump in to talk some. Uh, well, Maybe a little bit of basketball recruiting, but we're really going to focus on this game as this is your Arkansas at Mississippi State Primer. Before we get started, of course, i got to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. We finished 51 follows short of our goal of 80,000 before the season started. Very disappointing. Did not expect that, but uh, we made a lot of progress. So if you haven't followed the page, go ahead and do so already. You'll get all of our free content flowing through on our Facebook page as well as whenever we run the show. So follow the page on Facebook Live. Also interact with the video. Share it with somebody you think might like it. Give us a thumbs up if you like the content as well. Also available on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload new videos there. Also comment, interact, share. All those things helps the algorithm, helps boost our channel. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't thrown us that five-star rating, please do so now or at the end of the show. If you're subscribed, just scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you can leave the rating there. If you're not subscribed subscribe, but before you do that, throw us a five-star rating. We're almost at 500 reviews in there now, so would love to hit that. Also, say something nice if you like the the show as well. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Plenty of ways to get our free content. You can also sign up for our newsletter. Be sure to do that if you haven't done so already. We'll deliver free Razorback news to your email inbox every single morning, along with maybe a couple of VIP articles, but 75% of what we send is going to be uh, uh, free uh, content on the Razorbacks. Also, you can sign up with uh, text alerts. You can get free text alerts delivered. Anytime there's breaking news, we'll also send an email. But you'll also want to get the text alerts because that will get there very quickly so you'll know before all your friends anytime there's breaking Razorback news. So we'll send that all via text alerts. So a lot of ways to follow Sports: Facebook, YouTube, newsletters, text alerts, podcast. A lot of different ways, but also the most important way is to sign up uh, at hogsports.com. And right now it's 30% off or just $1 for your first month. Okay. Appreciate y'all bearing with me on that. So Mississippi State goes into Baton Rouge and knocks off the defending national champions, ends their 16-game winning streak, 44-34. Now, there were a lot of things that went into that game. I mean, there were a few things that could have changed things drastically. I mean, there was a there was you know kind of a tuck with KJ Costello uh, at near the end of the game where it was ruled a forward pass, but he was bringing it down, but his arm was going forward. It was close, but if that goes a different way, then you know the outcome of the game could have been different. So there's so many things like that. I will say this: the first five, six tough passes that he completed, I was like, well, that was lucky. That was a lucky throw. You got lucky there. And then after a while saying that, you're like, man, this guy's just dropping dimes. KJF Costello is a great fit for that offense, and – you know, LSU, this is not take anything away from Mississippi State, but LSU lost a ton off of last year. You know, you compare Arkansas, the team they faced in Georgia, who returned you know eight starters off of last year's defense, 14 players who played a lot. The only player that they really lost off last year's defense was Mr. Irrelevant, number 255 pick in the NFL draft, a linebacker, still very stout at linebacker, uh, versus LSU, who lost almost everybody, like all but three starters. Um, you know, they had players opt out, some very key players. They had 13 players or 13 or 14 players drafted in the NFL. It was a, it tied a record. Uh, you had like three or four players opt out. Derek Stingley, Stingley, I think is how you say his name, their best cornerback, uh, had to go to the hospital before the game. He was out for the game. So they lost. They had a lot impact. And, of course, uh, Brennan, at quarterback, Obviously, uh, a big drop-off from the Heisman Trophy winner last year, just in what we saw so far. And, you know, they'll, they'll probably get better. But uh, LSU always has great athletes, but that's a lot to replace. And Mississippi State absolutely took advantage. Um, I mean, to come in, no matter – I don't care what LSU is replacing, they've got talent. And to come in and throw for 623 yards – an SEC record in your first game as a quarterback in the SEC, as a coach in the SEC, against the defending national champions. I mean, that's very impressive. Very impressive. And a lot had to go right, but (laughs) it did. I mean, kudos to Mississippi State. I mean, fantastic debut for Mike Leach. All right, for Arkansas, they had a few players missing in the game against Georgia. Nothing too dramatic, though. Nothing too dramatic. Jarquez McClellan, backup cornerback who started last year, was out. Devin Bush, who I believe has missed a lot of time in practice, but he was out for the game. Micah Smith, Miles Mason, Malik Chavis. These are all defensive backs. They're all backup defensive backs, but they're all defensive backs. So Arkansas is going to need all of those guys. I mean, when you consider a team that's going to throw maybe upwards of 60 times they did against LSU, they called 65 pass plays total. They were sacked five times. You're going to need a lot of defensive backs to rotate in and out. And that's kind of what Simeon Blair, Monteric Brown were saying the other day about this matchup, making sure they stay fresh back there. Uh, as far as other injury stuff, uh, you had a couple injuries to defensive ends during the game. Dorian Gerald looks like he had an ankle injury. He's questionable. He did not practice um, on Tuesday. Yeah, I believe that's the last that we talked to Pittman today. But uh, he did not practice, and we'll see on that now. Also, Julius Coates looked like maybe a shoulder, something around this area up here. Uh, So that's another concerning thing. That's your two starting defensive ends. And this is a team that's going to throw the ball 60 times. You need to be able to get some pressure on him. And we can talk about the defensive backs and the importance of getting all these guys back. But the reality of it is got to get some pressure on him. No no quarterback is going to look good when he's got people in his face. And Arkansas had a couple of sacks on Saturday. Dorian Gerald had one and a half. Uh, but you do ha- you're going to get M- Mateo Soli back, who started what 11 games last year, 11 of the 12 games as a true freshman, mostly with a club on his hand. Uh, but you get him back. He was out last week. Uh, Zach Williams has done some good things. Eric Gregory is also a guy that they've really praised heavily in camp. Hopefully for Julius Coates, it's not a shouldering injury that's just going to nag him all season long. And maybe you get Dorian Gerald back. Those would all be really big things for Arkansas. And who knows how things shake out in uh, you know, the injury department, or excuse me, the COVID-19 department. I mean, they've got three tests they take this week. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. That's a big part of – wins and losses for Arkansas, you know, when you project, like, the things that have to happen, right, special teams, penalties, turnovers, COVID, (laughs) I mean, all those things have to play in Arkansas's favor in a lot of these games for them to win. But I think most of us were pleasantly surprised with the way that uh, Arkansas came out against Georgia. Now, I didn't do a show on Monday, kind of a weird deal for me. Uh, I've been kind of playing catch-up all week because, first of all, I haven't been sick a day and almost six years, going back to December of 2014. I've not been sick a day. So about 2 o'clock, I'm watching the game, 2, 2 a.m. Uh, on, on Saturday. I'm re-watching the game on television and start feeling a little queasy. Um, about 3.30, you know, I kind of fought through about 3.30 because I also watched some of the Mississippi State and LSU game that night. I go to bed and I wake up, still feeling queasy, vomit, and um, – Start getting chills and stuff. About 2 p.m. My wife takes my temperature. I took a nap. I never, I don't take naps ever. I never take naps, but I had to take, I had to go to sleep. My wife comes to take my temperature. It's 102. Next thing I know, I'm standing in line getting a COVID test and the doctor doesn't think it's COVID, you know, and I take a flu test. He didn't think I have the flu either. Uh, The only place I'd been last week was to get a drive-through flu shot and uh, I pick a pickup window at a Greek restaurant uh, that's the only interaction i had with anybody aside from my family last week crazy as that is so it was a busy week um anyway don't have covid obviously don't have the flu possibly may have had food poisoning that's possible could have had an immune reaction to the flu shot that's possible also um but don't have covid but anyway i, I feel like i lost today so we didn't have the show on monday for a lot of the recap of everything that happened um so apologize for that but um uh, got in the way of me a little sickness so hopefully things for arkansas work out in the injury department and in the you know in the uh, in the covid department i should say now let's get to the the main question the main concern for arkansas and that special teams i mean first of all just looking at the defense i think most of us had to be pleased with the way Arkansas's defense played for about 38 minutes or so uh, in that game. And eventually, I mean, they were just going to give way because field position was terrible. Even though they played so stout and only held Mississippi State to five points in the first half, most of the time they were playing on their own end of the field, right? Eventually, something's going to give way. If the offense doesn't pick things up and make some big plays here and there, eventually things are going to give way. So... It wasn't all on the offense. The offense has a chance to improve because Georgia was super stout. We talked about, you know, all the returners and all the players that they return, um, how stout they are up front on the defensive line. Mississippi State's got a good defense, but they're nothing like what Georgia was. Arkansas has a chance to get the ball rolling on the ground against these guys. They don't want to get into a shootout with Mississippi State. Everybody knows that. So need to get Rakeem Boyd going, those types of things. But let's talk about the special teams first of all because they were – just a travesty uh when you consider some all the time and effort they spent they have a dedicated special teams coach now Pittman did indicate you know also you've got players in and out because of COVID a guy may be in special teams you know one day and out the next you know you have all these kind of a musical chairs on an area that really you spend about 20 minutes of your two-hour practice focusing on okay spend about 20 minutes of your two-hour practice focusing on that so I can see how that could get out of whack. And it's important, I think, for them to really... Hey, what is it, buddy? This guy has something to say. What is it? What is it? Good boy. Hey, let me do the radio show. So that's our dog, Jerry Jack. He is 14 weeks old. He's acting like he wants out. (laughs) So we got a long show coming up here, so hopefully not. All right, so special teams guys i may have to take a break what is it buddy i'm the only person here i just took him out you good hold on i'm gonna let him go real quick come on
0: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love
2: post your free job on linkedin.com/recommend today.
1: All right. He's going to roam around the house I guess, probably tear something up. <laughs> Apologies. So, anyway, back to the special teams. You know, I think when you look at it they're going to spend extra time on it this week because they had so many issues with covid and players moving in and out of the lineup and stuff so i imagine they'll spend a little bit extra time and hopefully get things shored up but still there's some other things that you know are just generally disappointing i mean they had twice they only had 10 guys out there on special teams so that's a problem but you know the punting obviously could have been better um you know george caratan outkicked his coverage a couple of times he had a 57 yard he had three over 50 yards Uh, but he out-kicked his coverage a couple times. Kickoff return, they had a 43-yarder and a 48-yarder. One of them was off a line drive. I don't know if that was intentional or what, but um, the guy returned at 43 yards, Kenny McIntosh. So, uh, on the other side of the coin, Georgia was excellent. I mean, they were excellent. Uh, The Camarda kid, the punter, averaged almost 50 yards a punt, Um, five of them inside the 20. I mean, he was was checking punts up. He had a 63-yarder, four 50-yard punts. I mean – he was really exceptional. I guess it's a good thing that Arkansas made him punt seven times, though. And um, so, yeah, that's Arkansas also had a field goal make, had an ill timed timeout, but that's what you do. Well, you like to you like to call the timeout before they kick it at all. But got to get special teams short up, no question about that. All right, before we jump into the rest of you know Arkansas's offense versus the defense, and the defense versus the offense. I want to go uh, to Paul Jones. We mentioned him a minute ago. He is the co-publisher at Gene's Page, the twenty-four-seven site um, for uh, for Mississippi State. Does a great job covering the Bulldogs. So we'll see what he's got to say. Hello. Hey, Paul. Trey Biddy with Hog Sports. How you doing, man? Oh, so I was just giving a little bit of introduction on you guys and and just kind of going over what has happened at Mississippi State in the past week with uh, going down and knocking off uh, the LSU Tigers. You saw that one coming, right? Oh yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, what were your thoughts as that game was unfolding and um, and how how did Mississippi State go down there and knock off LSU?
3: You know, the, probably the biggest takeaway I actually took, you know, and I know this sounds crazy with all the offensive numbers they put up, but you know, I had a good feeling they were going to put up some points just because that's Mike Leach's system, and um, you know, that, that really didn't take me by surprise. It was probably the way the defense held up, because yeah, the final score was 44-34, to 34, but LSU got 17 points off of turnovers, and obviously that included a big six that KJ Costello threw, but you know, their they're starting 11 is pretty good on defense. There's a lot of inexperience on the back end in the secondary. And a big question mark is obviously keeping guys healthy because the defensive depth is very, very young mm-hmm. and very inexperienced. So, to me, that's going to be the biggest thing to, uh, to look at moving forward and, and keeping guys healthy. But, you know, K.J. Costello did surprise me with his accuracy. I knew he could throw the football around, but, man, he had some, some basically just perfect throws to where his guy could catch it over the shoulder in traffic, and uh, you know that that was another takeaway I took and, and something that surprised me.
1: So, do you think that going into this one, you know, Mississippi State, obviously, you know, this is obviously a different coaching staff and everything, but do you think after I mean, Colin Hill ran for 234 yards and 11 yards carry against Arkansas's defense last year? Do you think that they'll throw Mississippi State will throw the ball sixty times in this one, or do you see something happening like where they maybe do deviate from what Leach does and, and run the ball a little bit more just because I mean of Kyle? It's Hill.
3: Gonna be, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be a lot what Arkansas gives them and I think that's what his whole offense is based on, signing matchups in the passing game. You know, they, they I think they ran the ball sixteen times total against LSU, uh, maybe a few more this this weekend against Arkansas, but you know at the end of the day, he's still going to throw it 50 or 60 times, and, and that's just going to be what fans have to get used to seeing. And, and I know a lot of Mississippi State fans aren't used to that, and you know there were some eyebrows raised on third and one, and they're in the shotgun throwing mm-hmm. the ball. You know, a lot of people are like, "Man, run the ball!" I'm like, well, you, thought you might as well say that because. You're gonna see it a lot from Mike Leach. It doesn't matter if it's in the red zone or at midfield or in their own territory. Uh, you know, every down is gonna be basically a passing down for Pittsburgh.
1: I think that Mississippi State fans are probably gonna be okay with, with as long as the outcome yep. results in Ws with Mike Leach. So, I would I would ask, like on special teams, because before I brought you on. I was talking about special teams play, and Arkansas really struggled in the opener. It was it was kind of a surprise because they brought Scott, Scott Fountain in from the University of Georgia, who's had a lot of success over there. But Arkansas just couldn't seem to get out of their own way on special teams. What was your take on on Mississippi State their overall special teams performance?
3: Very solid, and a lot of it had to do with Arizona State transfer Brandon Ruiz. I mean, he was basically perfect on kickoffs, put all of them in end zone. Um, a touchback except for one and that one was returned about eight nine yards deep out of the end zone uh he was perfect on all his extra point field goal attempts uh punting was pretty solid probably the only negative they had in the kicking game was uh austin williams his first time returning punts and he fielded a couple of punts inside the five as a fair catch whereas you know you'd probably want that to just roll into the end zone but that was probably the only negative they had on special teams, and, uh, of course, LSU did a good job on touchbacks as well, and I don't think Mississippi State had a single kickoff return in that game.
1: Paul Jones joining us from Gene's Page, co-publisher. You can follow him at at PJ247Sports on Twitter, and uh, for the Mississippi State fan, the lonely Mississippi State fan maybe listening in Arkansas or somewhere, (laughs) uh, definitely go down there and check out Gene's Page, and uh, they have a great site over there to turn out some really good content. So, we talked about some of the keys in our uh, five questions uh, deal that we did earlier in the week. I was wondering if you could just kind of go over that, but uh, basically what you had told us was, you know, defensive depth overall, and um, I guess uh, I can't remember what your other key was on on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, just a couple of keys that you feel will be important aside from the obvious in this one.
3: Well, it's kind of, you know, this is going to be a key for, for every game, and uh, it's going to be the offensive line holding up against pressure because I, I think one way that defenses are going to try to slow down the air raid is, is trying to rush three or four guys and dropping the rest back in coverage. And then Mississippi State can hold down that pass rush and and limit to the sacks and, and give KJ time to throw the football uh, with those short routes. He doesn't need much time. But uh, to me, that's probably one of the biggest keys is how the offensive line will hold up. And for the most part, Considering they were having you know three first-year starters against LSU, they did a pretty good job against LSU. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, LSU's got some pretty good defensive ends that are going to bring pressure and they knock down some of KJ Costello's passes. But you know, I'd say that, and and, and also just uh, keeping guys healthy on defense and, and not having to go too deep on the on the roster when it comes to substitutes.
1: Seems like you guys, uh, or excuse me, Mississippi State is is pretty healthy overall. Uh, you know you. Scott Lashley, I think you'd mentioned, was out for the season, a backup offensive lineman. Uh, Greg Island, um, Mark Emerson, Aaron Brule, backup quarterback, Will Rogers. I mean, you know, whether it's COVID or injuries and stuff. Ha, ha, look, right now, where is Mississippi State in terms of injuries, or, based on what you're hearing? Or COVID? I believe
3: they're pretty good. All, all of those guys, except for Island, came back and played against LSU after getting banged up and, uh, so far, that we've heard this um, there none of those guys are expected to miss Saturday's game. Uh, I believe um, Scott Lashley is, is the only one on that two deep It's out, of course. Mm. Trey, in these strange days, you never know who's going to test positive for COVID. And yeah. uh, they had that situation late last week. I think Will Rogers, freshman quarterback, he's the backup to Costello. He tested positive and was not able to make the trip to LSU. And of course, can't really nail down what day he tested positive because you know how quiet that stuff he is in house. But depending on that day that he tested positive, I believe it's ten days that they have to quarantine and, and not be able to, to be around the team. So uh I guess if he did test positive last Thursday then uh he may as well be he, he may be out through um against Arkansas.
1: All right, Paul, I'll get you out with this. Just your prediction on the outcome of this game. Score prediction if you want to give one.
3: You know, I think that I think both teams are going to put up points. And, uh, you know, I, I could see a game in the 40s and 30s. Uh, I think I went with um, Mississippi State 47, Arkansas 34, 35, something like that. Because I think, I think both offenses are going to have some success on Saturday. And, uh, man, I think this is going to be the weirdest year, too, because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard to judge each sec team from week to week i think i think it's a mistake to do that in this season because anything can happen during a normal season but very much so in a season like this where, where you don't know what to
1: expect yeah all right paul well i appreciate you joining us man anytime right all right see you later paul all right that's paul jones again with Jeans page the 24 7 site uh, dedicated to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. You can follow him on Twitter at PJ247 Sports. does a great job. All right. Let's go straight to Curtis Wilkerson. Wilkerson kind of started kind of focused a little bit on um, the Mississippi State, Mississippi State defense and I'll go in some stuff on the Mississippi State offense a little bit more uh, just based on you know kind of the matchups of how things could shake out. For those who don't follow Curtis, you can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson on Twitter. Kurt Wilkerson underscore. And uh, he's been with us for a few months now. Does a great job. What's up, Kurt? Hey, Trey. What's going on? Oh, not much. I was just talking to Paul Jones uh, over at the twenty four seven site for Mississippi State. They do a great job over there. Just kind of running down some things, but I thought I would pick your brain a little bit. We kind of flipped the script a little bit this week, where you're you kind of focus more on Arkansas's offense versus Mississippi State's defense. We flipped it around the, the other uh, the other day, but um, we can jump right into it if you want to. I would just you know we kind of break it up into different categories. But so uh, I was curious what your thoughts are on Arkansas's defensive line versus what mississippi state has up front
4: yeah you know we uh we saw a a couple good
1: things in that georgia game last week excuse me i flipped it around on you didn't i yeah i got you
4: you threw me off for a second but i know what you were trying to say mississippi
1: state's (laughs) mississippi state's defensive line versus arkansas's offensive front
4: yeah, so you know, taking a look at that Mississippi State defensive front it's a it's a little bit different than what we saw from Georgia who was just absolutely enormous from a size and physicality standpoint. Mississippi State is good uh, up front. They came up with seven sacks against LSU. Some of that I think was was coverage related, but uh, they they operate a little bit differently. They move a lot more than you saw out of Georgia up front. a lot of twists, a lot of stunts and things like that that take a little bit more time to develop. but, Uh, You know, Arkansas had some problems on that offensive line with communication and some pre-snap things. That communication is going to have to be a lot better with all the movement that Mississippi State has up front. They've got some nice pieces up there, if you take a look at it uh Kobe jones marquis spencer are two guys that really stood out to me on that mississippi state defensive line that arkansas is going to have to key on i do think uh rakeem boyd is going to have some better lanes to run through than he did against georgia when they were practically you know non-existent there lsu uh they don't look great from a rushing standpoint but you have to keep in mind the yards that they lost mm-hmm. uh, from those sacks from miles brennan and then they got behind, and you know, against an air-raid offense like Mississippi State. You know, if you're, if you're playing behind by a touchdown or so, that's one thing. But once you get down by a couple scores, you start to panic a little bit because you know how quick they can strike. And LSU kind of abandoned the run there towards the, the latter half of that game.
1: Curtis Wilkerson joining us with Hogsports.com. So, with Burkeem, obviously not the game that he wanted. What I don't think he had but 11 carries, maybe 21 yards or something. Not necessarily what you would have expected, even against Georgia's very stout defense. I think some people thought at least, you know, get 50, maybe 75 yards against those guys. But it was like celebrating a touchdown if you got three yards on first down against them. So as you were kind of saying, maybe a better opportunity. What do you think is going to happen? I, I think that – I don't think you want to get into a shootout, obviously, with Mississippi State. So I could see maybe as many as 30 touches for Rakeem Boyd if, if they can find some running lanes.
4: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think one of the bigger keys to the game is to be able to just sustain some longer drives offensively, even if you don't score, but to get a few first downs, run some time off of that clock, and then hopefully, you know, you just keep that air raid off of the field a little bit and, and keep your defense with their legs underneath them because they certainly ran out of gas there late. You know, with Boyd, I do think he's going to have a much better game. And, and I, I agree, this might be a game where he gets. 20-plus touches out of the backfield. And I'd like to see him mix Traylon Smith in there a little bit. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, they they struggled in the run game, but Smith showed some burst there. He's about as quick and electric as we thought he was. And I I think they could be a nice one-two combination. I'd like to see him get maybe, you know, eight to ten touches of his
1: own. I think that also you could – we didn't see any of this last week, but you could also see some wildcat this week with Traylon Burks, which would also contribute to the running game. If they could get that going, that would be nice. And it would be nice to see it, like, more like Not just something that they run one or two plays, you know, like seven plays, you know, maybe, maybe even eight. Just, you know, obviously that would, you know, depend on whether or not it's working. You don't want to just like run it, you know. If you run it twice and you don't pick up any yardage, you probably won't ever see it again. So, that's another way that they could possibly pick up yards on the ground. But with that, with Traylon Burks and you know, obviously a lot of success, seven catches, 102 yards and a touchdown against Georgia. What do you see out of Arkansas moving forward in the passing game, and how can they build on what they did against Georgia, which was far from spectacular, but there were there were a couple of moments at least.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's going to be better. You know, I, I think I'm in the camp of being really encouraged by what I saw from Felipe Franks and, and the passing attack. You know, you, you look at it, and on the surface, he was just over 50% completion percentage, and that's not great. Had a couple of interceptions there. And obviously those are things that you want to see – cleaned up and i think with with more repetition and some better chemistry and communication uh, those are things that are going to improve but you know you take a look at his two starts against georgia when he was at florida and he threw for a combined 130 yards well he walked out there and threw for 200 uh with a new team at arkansas a new team new coaches new offensive coordinators so yeah i you know i I think he did better maybe than than people are giving him credit for there. uh you know, that's what you're going to get with Felipe Franks. He's going to show flashes of that big playability. We saw the 49-yard touchdown pass the birds. Uh, and he's going to take some chances and make some mistakes. That's who he's been. So you got to live with the good and the bad. But you know, Mississippi State secondary, they made some plays. They had a couple of interceptions in that game. Uh, but you know they're they're not quite of the caliber of the Georgia. They're young, uh, I think Arkansas has the weapons to exploit them a little bit. I expect I expect Frank's to have a pretty solid game against Mississippi State. I do think the offense is going to perform quite a bit better than they did last week.
1: Kurt, I know you're dying to pick Arkansas to win this game. <laughs> Are you going to do it? How do you see it playing I, out?
4: You know, a, a wise man said on a on a walk and talk recently that. <laughs> You know, Arkansas might be in a position where they lose a couple tough ones Mm -hmm. as they're trying to learn how to win, and and that's kind of how I see this going. You know, coming into the season, uh, I actually picked this as a three-point loss for Arkansas. I I, kind of had the same thought. You know, on the road, maybe the first game where they really get out and compete for four quarters, but, uh, you know, we've had so many heartbreaks. If you think about Kentucky last year. Texas A and M, some games like that. Uh, it takes a little bit to get over that hump, but it, it only takes one game for you to do it. But I can see this being a game where Arkansas really competes for four quarters. I think they're going to have themselves in a position, uh, but I do have them coming up short. I think I picked my final score 37-31 Mississippi State. I think it's going to be a good ball game, though.
1: Yeah, I kind of I, I agree with you in a lot of ways, Curtis. I mean, you, a lot of times with with new teams, I should say you kind of got to learn the hard way, how to take it on the road and come out with a win. So, I didn't predict it in the preseason, and I don't think I'm going to predict it in this one. Having said that, Arkansas is going to have a chance to win, I think, uh, if they do get a couple of things accomplished in short special teams. So, All right, Curtis, you want to drop any uh, recruiting, basketball recruiting nugget or anything? You got anything like that to drop? Uh, you
4: know, not a lot has changed over the course of the past mm-hmm. week. You know, I'd say for for that 2021 class, uh, continue to keep an eye on really the key four you know you've got uh, four star Ford, Alex Fudge Arkansas is in the top 10 there so still a little bit of time to go we know about Trey Alexander uh, I do think Arkansas is in a good position there maybe maybe not the leader but they're certainly not out of it I think they've got a, a heck of a punching chance at Landon Alexander uh, Jonathan Lawson six-six-four out of Memphis that's one to keep an eye on he has an announcement date, I, I, I believe it's October 7th. He's got yeah. Arkansas in his final five, uh, Memphis, Oregon, other teams to watch there. So we'll have some news on that over the course of the next week. Uh, those are probably the nuggets out of that 2021 class right now. Uh, you know, after we see what Lawson decides, there'll be a little bit more clarity in what they're going to try to do moving forward.
1: All right, Kurt. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us. Always, All anytime.
4: Right. Hey, Trey, I tell you what, man. If you ever need anybody to babysit Jerry Jack, or a, little,
1: a, a dog sitter, you just say the word. I'll come over. I'll take him for a nice walk. Okay. All right, man. We might we might have to do that next show. He's he's like chewing at my leg right now. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you know what? <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Gert. All right, I'll see it. All right, that's Curtis Wilkerson again. Uh, Curtis does a fantastic job. HogSports.com does a lot of great stuff as far as basketball recruiting goes, and uh, of course, covering all all three major sports. Um, and he'll be a big asset when basketball comes around. I think you'll see that. What is that? November twenty fifth. I think they decided. So, changing gears a little bit, let's take a look at Mississippi State's offense and how it matches up against Arkansas's defense. And in, in the passing game, obviously, we don't. We I don't know how many times we have said. Uh, K.J. Costello was 36-60 of 60, passing for 623 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions, which is key. You know, for Arkansas's defensive backs, they're going to have to catch the balls that are thrown to them. If a quarterback throws 60 times, eventually he's going to get some pressure here. He's going to make some bad decisions, even for a guy this experience. He's going to put some balls in jeopardy here and there, throwing the ball that many times. So catch the ones that are thrown to you. If the ball gets put on the ground, you got to recover it. Um, Mississippi State, I should say Mike Leach and his history as a coach, Turnover margin hasn't been a huge indicator of success for him. You know, he's been minus or plus in the turnover part. It hadn't mattered a whole lot. But I did mention, you know, earlier that there was a late almost fumble that could have really changed the outcome of that game for LSU, but it was ruled a forward pass. It was like this. It was like he was, try- he was trying to bring it back, but the ball went forward just enough. might have been different in the NFL. I don't know. It was a tuck rule, I guess, different. Maybe somebody can comment on that. But – Passing game is going to be huge, and it's not just Osiris Mitchell and Javon Pay- Javonta Payton. Uh, Payton uh, you know, they had, what, three guys have over 100 receiving yards, and Mitchell had seven for 183 and two touchdowns. I mean, but you also had Kylan Hill, you know, in, out of the backfield, eight catches, 158 yards. Only had seven carries for 34 yards, but eight catches for 158 yards and a touchdown, including a 75-yarder. On that 75-yarder, you know he slipped a big tackle, but there were players jogging. There were players on LSU jogging, which to me is a horrible sign. That's flashback slash. It's one of the things that I think as a Razorback fan you should be most proud of with the defense is they never did that. They were always swarming to the ball. LSU, I saw. You know, I see a guy just jogging. Oh, he's got it. You can't do that against Kylan Hill. He breaks a tackle, boom, he's gone 75 yards for a touchdown, and it's only because you loafed. That's that's the reason. It could have been a good gain, but it wouldn't have been a 75-yard touchdown without the loafing. So can't do that. Cannot assume that anybody's got it. That comes down to coaching and just hammering, preaching that in. So to me that's on Bo Pelini a lot. Which another thing, I mean, they LSU lost offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They only returned three guys as starters out of – 22, I mean, that's a lot. Well, I guess less than that because they they also lost the cornerback. So, Kylin Hill, is he going to run the ball more or is he not? I mean, he only – Mississippi State only ran the ball 16 times and five of them were sacks. So, really only 11 rushing plays uh, for Mississippi State. But, obviously um, – Guy ran for 200, Colin Hill ran for 240, 242 times for 1,350 yards, 5.6 yards per carry with 10 touchdowns last year. And he came back to play in this offense under Mike Leach because Mike Leach basically told him you get 2,000 yards of total offense. Most of it may be in the passing game, but I could see them definitely running the ball against Arkansas or trying to run. Now, I think Arkansas played pretty stout overall, but. Dude, Stop. Killing me, Jerry Jack. My daughter named him Jerry Jack, by the way. It's a good name. Good name for a dog. So, anyway, that's kind of where things are. Um, Defensive line for Arkansas versus Mississippi State offensive line. Obviously, Mississippi State is very big on the offensive line. I mean, they're, what, 6'5", 320 pounds across the board uh you know some very some older players obviously um greg island was dinged up in the opener as we mentioned um but returns status is, is, is unknown cole smith at center um is a, a transfer actually from lsu uh who played a good game overall uh darian parker it goes six four, three fifty five at the right guard spot uh charles cross um He's the lightest guy, of the bunch, 6'5", 290, but he was a five-star recruit in the class of 2019. I guess he's also the youngest guy. And Quatravius Johnson goes 6'7", 315. He was a four-star. So the three interior guys are actually, you know, mid-range, three-star type recruits, if, for those interested in that kind of stuff. Um, and the tackles were a four-star and a five-star. So that could be a really interesting matchup for Arkansas. Is Julius Coates 100%? Is Dorian Gerald going to even be able to play? versus, you know, two guys that were very highly regarded. And Arkansas has that too. I mean, Zach Williams, who's a sophomore, Eric Gregory, who's a redshirt freshman, and uh, Mattio Soli, who's a, a sophomore. They were all four-star recruits also. They were all very highly regarded players. But it'd be nice to get Joyce Coast, and Gerald back, obviously. So that's kind of where things stand. I think we can probably shift into some questions now. So first, before We go into questions. I want to remind everybody there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Again, you're probably watching on one of those channels right now, but you can tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't thrown us that thumbs up, do so now. You can also tune in on YouTube. Follow the page on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload new videos. Interact, share, follow, comment, like, all of those things help the algorithm, help boost our channel. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Throw us that five-star rating if you haven't done so already. Get us to 500 ratings and uh, throw us a review if you if you want to if you like the content as well also share that with somebody you think might like it and available anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast 30% off right now at hogsports.com or just $1 for your first month our free email newsletter will deliver daily razorback news to you uh, for free in your email inbox and also anytime there's breaking news we'll send that and we'll also send you a text alert if you want if you want to get a text alert with a link to further information uh, then sign up for our free text alerts at hogsports.com you can just go to the top right um, I think it's under key hogsports links there there's the three dots or the three lines depending on if you're mobile or or on desktop and you click on that and you can see where to sign up for a newsletter and text alerts it takes 15 seconds to do either one of those but with the, with the newsletter, you actually get an activation email, so you do have an extra step there. So check us out. Plenty of ways to do it. You can also just go to hogsports.com and access our information there. Check out the legendary Razor's Edge VIP message board. All right, let's get to the questions now. I don't think I have them brought up. So we're going to go to hogsports.com and... See if we got any questions here. I kind of posted it a little bit late. Tex Hog 817 says based on the way our D played Georgia and the effectiveness of the defensive backs early in the game, do you believe that Arkansas can at least slow down the air raid then use Boyd in the running game to control the clock? Hope you don't freeze again. I guess I froze earlier. So, I will say that's got to be the goal for Arkansas. You don't want to get into a shootout with them. Um, I do think that they can have some more success running the game, running the ball. I mean, you make a big improvement from game one to game two. For Arkansas, hopefully that's not the case with Mississippi State because they played lights out against uh, the defending national champions. But uh, I do think against the front that they have a better chance at running the ball. And if you can run the ball, then you should run the ball a lot because you don't want to get involved in that shootout. Uh, so shorten the game, run Rakeem Boyd, still throw the ball. Don't stop, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So, Scotty Thrushade said, will Felipe Franks have a better game this week? I believe that he will. I think that we'll probably come out of this game going, man, the defense took a step back. What happened? Uh, but the offense looked better at least. To me, the main thing that we need to be saying is, wow, the special teams made a huge improvement from week one to week two. That needs to be what we're saying. And, of course, the offense. And we're probably going to be saying that about the offense. They made a big improvement. The defense didn't. That has to do with the matchups. Houston Nutburner says, has anyone spoken to Kendall? How is he doing? Nobody's spoken to Kendall. We don't get coordinators. I don't know if it's because of COVID or what. But, you know, in the past we've always gotten a chance to speak to coordinators once a week. But we we haven't had that um, since the season started. M.C. Hogger says Mississippi State has some very lengthy receivers. I believe they have two 6'5 plus. And that being said, how do we make a game plan to match up against them when our secondary is not on the taller side? Secondary is not terribly short. I mean, Monteric Brown's long, lanky six-foot. Jerry Jacobs, I guess, a little little bit shorter. But he's a pretty physical guy. Uh, In the secondary, you know, obviously you're going to get a lot of guys back. Jalen Catalan, he's probably, yeah, on the shorter side at about 5'10". Played a really good game on Saturday, uh, and then you get Joe Fouché back. But I mean, you're just going to run into that. I mean, that's just kind of kind of the way things are. You don't see many defensive backs that go over six two, period, uh, and especially not at cornerback. Usually, not not any taller than six foot. I mean, it happens, obviously, but usually not. So you're just going to have. I mean, the thing with Costello, if he's on, then he's going to be on, and they're going to make plays. I mean, that's that's kind of the bottom line there. So. You just got to make sure that you you play tough and you seal them off when you can. You don't get caught up in traffic because they are going to try to you know screen you. They'll run guys this way and that way. I mean, create some natural screen, So you, you got to make sure you fight through some of that stuff. That's going to be a bigger bigger deal than anything. But uh, catch the balls that are thrown to you. They're going to they're going to they're going to rack up passing yards. They're going to make completions and they're going to throw for three hundred plus yards on Arkansas secondary. I would be surprised if that didn't happen with the amount of balls that they're going to throw. The trick for Arkansas has got to be catch the balls that are thrown to you. Get some pressure on the quarterback, make him make some mistakes. He's shown he's – you'll make a mistake here and there. He's not going to be perfect, especially not throwing that many times. You've got to catch the ones that are thrown to you. Got to be a big emphasis in practice this week. Warrior Hog 23 says, if the run game struggles early, do we go packages with either KJ or Malik and run the zone or power, read some – I don't think the run game is going to struggle really bad early, but they can do that stuff if they wanted with Felipe Franks, and I kind of think that they would. I hope that's not the course that they choose to go. The run game's struggling, so we're going to bring in backup quarterbacks. I hope that wouldn't be something that they would think to do. Now, packages or something, okay. But, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. Gibby 6996 says, I know that Mississippi State, State defense is not as sad as Georgia, so how well do you think we can move the ball against this defense? Like I said, I mean, I think that they'll we – we'll leave this game going. Arkansas's offense improved now. It may end up being a situation you get down to it and Arkansas didn't have what it takes to finish, didn't know how to finish a game, something like that. They could absolutely play a big role. I mean, Mississippi State can score in a hurry just because you have maybe – even if Arkansas has a 14-point lead or something that, you know, even with five minutes left, you you wouldn't think that game's over. Sparks Co. says, if Odom takes a head coaching job following the season, do any DCs come in mind that would make sense as a play? I mean, I haven't even considered that. I haven't even begun to think about that. But Odom had a pretty nice debut for Arkansas. Uh, I think that for Odom, he would have to get a, another, you know, power five type of job for him to leave Arkansas. I think – I believe that he was offered the Miss, the Memphis job. I believe he was their choice uh, and turned it down. We know that he was offered a head coaching job. Ben Strassi says, out of the DBs we have back this week, which ones have the potential to be as explosive as Jalen Catalon? Catalan? I'm still amazed at none of them. Catalan – None of the best defensive backs on the team, in my opinion, are Jalen Catalan, Monteric Brown, and Jerry Jacobs. My you know, I mean, some of that's just based off of obviously one game, uh, especially with Jerry Jacobs, and we see more of Jalen Catalan. But those three guys and then I think I don't want to say everybody else, but you know, Joe Fouché – probably on that next tier for me. But Fouché played with a shoulder injury all last year and was kind of given a hard time by Razorback fans. Um, And I think that plagued him a lot. So maybe he comes back and and shows a lot better this season. But none of these guys had the potential to be as explosive and as good a player, I don't think, as, as Catalan is. All right, everybody. That's our VIP questions. We still got some time. How long we got left here? Well, we've gone over time, but we're going to go over here. We're going to um, we're going to see what our Facebook users. If there's any questions here, a lot of comments. Jonathan Mosley says, if you could pinpoint a variable, what is the offense? Need, what does the offense need to fix in order to not be stagnant like last week? Uh, the opponent, largely. I mean, a lot of the reason Arkansas's offense couldn't get going was because of Georgia. A lot of it's just the opponent. So, I mean, obviously, you know, when you get pressure in your face, you'd like to see Felipe Franks maybe – it's hard to say, like, step into the pocket when somebody's right there in front of you, right? But he did have a couple of errant throws. Mm. A lot of people like the walk and talk. I appreciate everybody tuning into the walk and talk. I know everybody was looking forward to me like – Maybe getting pissed off or something, but I can't get, you can't get mad at playing the number four team in the country after where Arkansas has been and the progress that they show for 38 minutes. I just I can't get mad at that. Okay, I'm not going to like manufacture anger just to appease people in the walk and talk. Um, I'm going to go off how I of feel, and that's I felt the way I felt. So now, obviously, this week I, I'm not traveling to Mississippi State. Obviously. There's a lot of reasons surrounding that with everything going on in college football. And, um, you know, I can't even go to a post-game press conference. That's one of the big reasons that we travel for games is, you know, to be able to ask the questions and and sit in the post-game press conference room. But So I'm not going to Starkville for this one. be watching from home. So I guess I'll just do the studio show after the game. I I guess I could just walk around the neighborhood. My neighbors may think, what in the hell is he doing? I guess I could do that. Maybe I will. Let me know in the comments if you want me to walk and talk around the neighborhood after the game. I mean, I think the idea is, you know, leaving the stadium, but if everybody wants me to, I guess I would. It might be dark. It'd be late. Somebody might call the cops on me. Walking around the neighborhood with a selfie stick, talking out loud, that might not be a good idea. Never mind, scratch that. I can see that going very poorly. am going to have to do it in the studio or walking around the house. <laughs> Rob McCally says we should run a few double reverses and put Boyd up the middle. Yeah. Maybe not at the five yard line. Corey Criswell says, do you think the scheme will be to put extra pressure on the quarterback or put extra coverage in the backfield? I mean, they always say with a with a, an experienced quarterback, you play more coverage. With an inexperienced, you you rush him more, but I still think that they're gonna come after him. I think you got to. I think you gotta to try to. You've got to accept that they're going to put up passing yards. you just got to try to make them make three, four, five really bad throws that you can pick off or tip or something. Cedric White says, talent doesn't always equate to playing well. Experience also plays an important role. Yes, coaching obviously too. I mean, we see plenty of teams across the country that recruit at an elite level. <laughs> Texas, that don't play very well on Saturday. Now, Texas is for years and years and years – out-recruited everybody in the state but I mean and they're better now obviously but um, should they be in a nail-biter against Texas Tech based on talent no they obviously shouldn't so uh, a lot more goes into it and we see teams year in and year out that you know they're not recruiting on the same level as some other teams but they repeatedly produce good teams the secret to being a fantastic team is to first win with good talent before you win with great talent. That's always been my thoughts on it. So win with good talent, start recruiting at a higher level. Look at Clemson. Clemson recruits at an elite level now, but they weren't doing that when they first got going. They had a fantastic player in Deshaun Watson who really helped kick things off to another level. Now, they'd always recruited well, but they weren't recruiting one, two, three recruiting classes in the country like they are now. so And, you know, Chad Morris kind of had a good point talking about being a regional recruiting team. I, I really think that Chad and his staff got it when it came to recruiting and how to recruit and, you know, the approach that they have to take. And, you know, blueprinted that, the only thing in the blueprint that worked from, from Clemson. Um, you know, Clemson used to recruit regionally, and now they recruit nationally. I mean, they, last year they got one of the top quarterback prospects in the country from California, the opposite end of the country. Jonathan Moses said, if our defense could play that well for 38 minutes against Georgia, what are they capable of doing if they are rationed correctly, possibly, and not always backed up to their own end? Now, Georgia was playing with a redshirt freshman quarterback who'd never started uh, – I don't guess he'd ever played a college game. So, things were – I'm not taking anything away from Arkansas's defense, but things were dramatically different when they brought in um, with Stetson Bennett, the fourth When they brought him in and he was distributing the ball, I mean, totally different outcome. Quarterback matters so much, people. I mean, isn't that obvious? I mean, if they'd had Burrow at LSU, they would have beaten Mississippi State on Saturday. Simple. Even with losing everything else. Quarterback, I mean, it's the most important position on the field. Not even. I mean, it's not even close. But if you can't protect him, then he's never going to look that good. Even, even Joe Burrow wouldn't look good without a lot of protection. Jason Sublett, uh, comment. A lot of comments, a lot of comments. Jonathan Mosley says, will Sam Pittman be able to put a line together similar to the one they had under Belama? That one was bigger than any line in college in the NFL. I mean – I thought they had a pretty good recruiting effort last last year. I mean, it's been a while since they've gotten a four-star offensive line. I guess Ricky Stromberg, he was a late four-star. But, I mean, Marcus Henderson was a big-time recruit that they got. The other two guys, Ray Curry and Jalen St. John, were both very highly regarded. It may take a minute. I mean, they're recruiting against two and ten. Let's not forget that. They're recruiting against two and ten. But I think eventually um, it's possible that they could – get to that level again. It may not be as quick. I mean, obviously they got Denver Kirkland right out of the bat, you know, right out of the gate, but they did get Marcus Henderson, and they got Dan Skipper right out of the gate. Um, some of the guys that they brought in that were very highly regarded didn't really – you know, Reef Kohler didn't really pan out. Jalen Merrick didn't have uh, – you know, he had some injury issues also um, and didn't really pan out. But Frank Ragnall did, but he wasn't, he wasn't a four-star. He was a guy that was kind of like viewed as Ricky Stromberg, a guy that had growth potential. So it's more than just getting four or five star guys, I guess. Kevin Branch says it's time for the Hawks to earn some respect back if they can get just if they can just fight hard enough. A lot of comments. Bobby Dale says I don't see uh, see a win the same old Razorback showed up in the second half, and Bennett looks so comfortable carving them up. The middle of the field over and over. I think they were a little exhausted, Bobby. But I mean, you could be right too. I mean, it's just one game, one sample. I mean, so we don't have we don't have a big sample size, obviously, to judge. But it's hard for me to take much away from Arkansas, given the way that they played. I mean, they only gave up what 2.7 yards per carry against Georgia, which is pretty solid considering last year all season they averaged. I think they gave up five-and-a-half yards a carry, which is the worst in the SEC. They gave up the worst average, the worst number of carries, the worst rushing yardage. Everything that Arkansas did in the rushing game and every major statistic last year was the worst in the SEC. So credit them. I mean, it's not like Zier White was chopped liver. The guy was the number one ranked running back prospect in the country in 2018. Cedric White says, MSU love the middle. Do you think we have to cheat a safety lower to cover the middle, more pushing the linebacker, more to the flats? Possible. I mean, you, you worry about Mississippi State with just, you know, all the all the rubs or screens. you you, you got to worry about that. And they're going to – I mean, they were literally – it'll just be like this. You know, these guys and these guys, you know, just just crossing over each other. People get hung up in traffic. This could be a really big game for Jalen Catalan. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of the 3 two, six. I think we'll see a good bit of that. You kind of have to them I and they're going to go four wide, you know, the majority of the time and then you have Kyle and Hill coming out of the backfield. Kevin Brant says nickel and dime them nickel and dime them down the field. Try to keep their offense off the field as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, it, you can say nickel and dime or just focus on the run game. I mean, you got two backs I think that are capable there. A lot of people appreciate the Walk & Talk. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this show, making it so popular. Steve Welton says, hey, Trey, it was nice to see you. Do you Walk & Talk? Another one. Without almost crying. Yeah. There were some moments. People want to see the Walk & Talk. I can't do it around the neighborhood. (laughs) I mean, first of all, the game starts at 630, SEC Network Alternate, at 630. So, it's going to go three and a half hours at least, you know. So, And that's ten o'clock and then I gotta transcribe press conference, write a story after the game, organize everything. I can't I just I don't think it my I mean the at the volume that I would be talking, walking around the neighborhood with a selfie stick, talking into the camera, I, I just can't do it. I live in an, I don't live out in the country or something, so I, I just don't think it would work. <laughs> uh Mark G. Ward says, yes, Walk well, and Talk. I'll be up in Fayetteville this weekend. I can move around with various locations, say what's up. Greg Thompson says, I was fairly impressed with Buster. Your thoughts. Yes, Buster Brown is a guy that I've been saying for a while. I think he has next level ability. I was glad to see him play well on Saturday. Needs to get some interceptions. Needs to get the ones that are thrown to him, and that's kind of what we've been saying the whole time. All right, everybody. I think we did the show today. I think we got you primed up pretty good. We covered just about every category I can think of from everything on Mississippi State's offense, defense, special teams, Arkansas the same way. Talked to Paul Jones from Gene's page, uh, the Mississippi State site with some great insight on the Bulldogs. Curtis Wilkerson had some great insight also on um, the Mississippi State defense. So, that's it. Yeah, I think we did it. 6.30 p.m. SEC Network Channel Alternate. Arkansas has got a shot at this one. I'm not predicting them to win. I think probably something like 41-31 Mississippi State. Uh, Again, I wonder. I could see Arkansas getting close to the end of the game, maybe even having a lead, but not quite knowing what it takes to finish out a game. It's a learning experience for a lot of teams, like Curtis was saying earlier. Uh, kind of stole my thunder on that opinion but uh, a lot of times new teams have to learn how to win on the road in the SEC and this is an Arkansas team that hasn't figured out how to win at home yet so maybe not this week maybe not next week at Auburn although that could be a very intriguing one considering all the emotion involved in that one with Chad Morris being on the other side but then there's miss excuse me then there's Ole Miss coming to Fayetteville after that so Maybe everything that they combine and learn from. I'm not counting them out against Mississippi State. Don't get me wrong. I'm not counting them out at all. They have a chance at winning this game, believe it or not. But I really look at that Ole Miss game maybe as a a strongest opportunity for Arkansas to get a win. All right, everybody. For Paul Jones, for Curtis Wilkerson, I want to thank you for your questions. People on the Razor's Edge Premium Forum at hogsports.com and you people on Facebook as well and Sign up at Hogsports if you had not done so already. You'll be glad you did. A lot of great VIP information, especially when it comes to recruiting stuff that Curtis uh, and Danny West deliver and some of our inside uh, information on the Razorbacks. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. This has been Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com for your Arkansas at Mississippi State Primer. We'll catch you next time.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.